Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So my friend Marissa and I hang out every now and then, and a couple of months ago, I went to see the newest Star Wars movie with her and her new boyfriend, John. Marissa's a nice girl, and John was a pretty dorky but nice guy. We talked about the movie after we saw it, and he got really into discussing it. Honestly, I didn't even get any bad vibes off of him for that short of time that we met. But a few months later, I met up with Marissa, and I ask if she's still dating John. She says no, and then tells me why. And this is what she said, almost verbatim. Yeah, so uh, me and John were just hanging out in my room one night just watching a movie or whatever. I was looking at my phone and out of the corner of my eye I see him fidgeting a lot, like really restless. He keeps shifting around and looking at me so I ask him what's wrong. He doesn't want to tell me. He's like nothing nothing but doesn't stop acting weird. So I call him out on it and ask him what's going on and then he says to me, listen I have this fantasy about you. We'd had sex before, so I didn't think it was that weird, but then he said, I want to drag you out into the woods and tie you to a tree. Then I, I want to rape you and cut off pieces of your flesh. He started breathing heavy when he said this, like just talking about it was turning him on or something. And this was literally days before we were supposed to go camping with my family. But I kicked him out right there and then, and I told him to never talk to me again. But for weeks after that, I could see him driving past my house sometimes, and I was so scared that he was going to try and get me somehow. I know that people have strange fetishes sometimes, but this wasn't something that he wanted to do with her. This was something that he wanted to do to her. Anyone who's seen any true crime media knows a, a good warning sign when they see one, and I'm afraid that the next time that I see him, it might just be on the news. This happened around 10 years ago in the south of the UK. For reference, I'm a 28-year-old male, and at the time I was working part-time at a fuel station on an A road which linked a small village to a ring road into the nearby city. 
The village itself was quiet, high-end, and extremely expensive to live in. It was the sort of place that only had one chain store, and it was a weight rose. Everything else was either boutiques or privately owned gourmet grocers. So, as someone who has always enjoyed cars, it was always fun to see what kind of high-end luxury sports cars would adorn the forecourt on any given day. And this is where I met Michael. Michael was in his late 40s, dark hair, well-dressed, always wore Gantt or Ralph Lauren, or on his workdays, tailored suits, etc. He was an all-round nice guy, exceptionally polite, which was actually a rarity as most of the residents of the surrounding area seemed to despise anyone who didn't qualify for the additional tax brackets. But we got chatting about his collection of vehicles or the watches that he wore one day, He'd always show up wearing some kind of Rolex and driving his Aston Martin, Range Rover or Porsche, so there was always a lot to talk about. I got to know that he worked in finance and the conversation got on to what I was planning to do with my life. I also wanted to work in finance and we'd always have these pleasant conversations until I left that part-time job in favour for taking up an apprenticeship role at my uncle's brokerage. But Michael is important to this story and we'll get to why shortly. So something to be known about my uncle is that he's a man with a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, almost literally. And what I mean by this is that, as well as his brokerage and property portfolio, he also owned a few takeaways for cash flow purposes. I think we all know what that means though. And as such, I would occasionally step in as a delivery driver when a driver would let him down. Luckily, my uncle also lived in the previously mentioned village, and the main pizza place he owned catered to the residents of said village, so tips were usually quite decent, and my uncle would usually throw me a few quid for helping out. Fast forward to summer of 2008 though, and I've been roped into dropping off a few pies at a property on an extremely prestigious road. Average house price here is well above 1.4 million, and I'm intrigued to actually get close enough to see what these houses actually look like as they're all gated and set far back from the road behind a shroud of trees and shrubs. So I find the place and buzz the intercom, when a voice comes back, sort of muffled, just saying, Yes? So I answered with the name of the takeaway, and the gates slowly open, and I make my way up the driveway to a very large mock Georgian home, complete with detached four-car garage, and that's when I see Michael's number plates. He had initials for his cars with the numbers 1, 2, and 3, and it was the same for his wife as well. I must admit I was interested to see up close the sort of life this guy had, if I'm completely honest, especially as a young aspiring financer. So I exited my car, brought out the pizzas, and the double doors opened, and that's when I saw a very unfamiliar face looking back at me. It was a man, early 20s maybe, thin and shaved head, I can remember that he was wearing no shirt and some scruffy jeans and trainers. He was also holding something behind his back. Hey, uh, bring the pizzas through to the kitchen. I can remember his voice being hoarse and barely audible and with an accent that I'd never heard before. Nervously, I said nothing and I just looked at him, which made him sort of visibly angry. Bring the pizzas through, he repeated, more aggressive this time, and I finally responded. Where's Michael? This is Michael's place, right? And it was completely true that in situations like this, your mouth goes completely dry and to always follow your gut. This guy was setting off alarm bells and telling every fiber of my being to just get off this property. 
Unfortunately, this is when it dawned upon me that it's a gated property and I was actually locked in. And then things went from bad to worse. I distinctly remember the terror swelling up inside of me when he moved his hand in front of him to show me a large kitchen knife and uttered the words, run. And at that, I dropped the pizza into the gravel, left my car and decided that I'd have a better chance of survival by running down the driveway and lifting myself over the gates. They were the wooden type that had no decorative spears atop them luckily, but all the while I could hear his feet crunching onto the gravel behind me. I didn't look back and managed to pull myself up and over the gates and hurling myself onto the pavement beneath me. The adrenaline in my system still had me running for what seemed like hours but it was perhaps only 10 minutes at most until I was a good few streets away and I decided that it was now time to call the police. The police met me at the park that I was hiding at. One officer stayed with me and the other proceeded onto the property along with another patrol car. At first, I got the distinct impression that they didn't actually believe me or thought that I was up to something, but after my uncle arrived to pick me up and vouched for me being sent there to deliver pizza, the PC in question backed down. Upon their arrival at the property, they basically found nothing, just my car with slashed tires and broken windows, alongside of feces being smeared across part of the kitchen. There was food strewn about the place and also a needle found in one of the bathrooms, but no sign of the man who threatened me. Michael and his family at the time were actually visiting family in Australia, I later found out. I never did go back for another shift at the pizza place after that too. But after this, I learned that wealth and apparent financial security is just completely illusory. People are just people, and there are some sick and tormented people out there who will always find a way to carry out their twisted actions. And if anything, I've had more encounters with crazy people since moving away from my council estate routes and into suburbia. I'm a 14-year-old male and I live in a pretty isolated area. I joined a gym a few months ago and since it was a walkable distance, I used to walk on my way to the gym and return in a public transport rickshaw. These vehicles are pretty compact and congested, with a set of two seating rows in front of each other. My session ended at around 8 in the evening, so it was pretty dark when I left. But I got into the rickshaw and I told the driver where I needed to be dropped. When the auto started, I realized that this very creepy looking man with dark circles under his red eyes is staring at me with a, an expressionless face. I shrug it off since these types of people are fairly common in my area. A few moments go by and the driver asks where I needed to get off as he had forgotten. I tell him again and this creepy guy says that he too will be getting off there as well. I must admit that I started to get a bit creeped out but still didn't think too much of it. I got off at my spot along with the creepy dude, paid the driver and started walking to the street that led into my neighborhood. I glance back and I see that this guy is now following me. But the creepiest part is that he was walking in an extremely sort of dead manner. That's the only way that I can describe it. I was getting scared at this point but felt relieved when I saw that there was a wedding taking place on my way home. It's an Indian wedding so needless to say it was very loud and very bright. I thought that he might go away in fact now but he didn't. He just kept following me. 
As I passed the marriage lawn, it again became extremely quiet and dark, since the area that I live in is very empty and there's no streetlights. The man is still following me. I thought to myself that maybe he lived around here, so there was a chance that he wasn't following me, but still, I was scared enough to start walking faster. When I was three minutes away from my home, I saw that I was no longer being followed, so I assumed that he wasn't actually following me. But just when I reached the street that my house was on, I saw him running towards me. I nearly crapped myself, so I started running as quickly as I could to my house and started ringing the bell frantically. I looked to my side to see that he was just standing there like a statue, staring at me. Just as I was about to scream as well, my sister opened the gate, I got in, locked it, and the door. I told her what happened quickly, and we both got on the roof of the house to see where he was. And we saw him walking away into the darkness. I left for gym early the next day, and I came back well before dark. And this was the scariest experience that I've ever had. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I was incredibly naive. My best friend Jay used to work at a restaurant in a very bad area. She had moved there from our little suburb about 35 minutes away. I still lived in the suburb with my parents so my street smarts weren't the best. This was three years ago as well when I was 19 at the time. So driving around to visit friends was and is one of my favorite pastimes. Now one day I decided to stop by the restaurant to see Jay, as I'd done it a few times before and I was friends with all of her co-workers. My friend was busy and she made me wait around with a few of the others for a bit until her break, then came to chat with me. At this time I was very anti-purse and just kept a wristlet, a little wallet that you can keep around your wrist. And after chatting for about 30 minutes I left the restaurant and walked back to my car. After driving for a while though, I noticed that I had left my wallet, so I texted Jay to tell her to grab it for me and where I'd probably left it. I already knew that there was a possibility that it was gone, being that I had left it in a busy restaurant in Santa City, and Jay confirmed that it was indeed gone. My dad cancelled all the credit cards, but I was still holding on to hope that it would be returned, as I did have my ID in there. And the next day, I got a text from Jay, and she tells me that somebody had called the restaurant and said that they had my wallet, and that she had given them my number. 
I was really happy about this, but I also knew that I would have to meet up with a stranger, so I decided not to tell my parents. I didn't get a text until the next morning. The person said that they had my wallet and wanted to give it back, but never gave a name or a description. I didn't care though. I just thanked them profusely and asked when I could meet them. Hours later, they replied with an address and told me to stop by around 9pm. The address was about... I would say 20 minutes from the restaurant, which was also a really bad area, but didn't worry me as I had left my wallet right around there anyway, so I was pretty confident that this person actually had it. I got there around 9, and this is when I started to get freaked out. Now, the house looked like it was previously a, a row home, but the one connecting it to the rest had been just completely demolished. The windows were boarded up, and there were no lights coming from inside... The place was obviously abandoned, grass overgrown, weeds everywhere, graffiti all over it. You get the idea. But the door, however, was not boarded up and I could see that it was ajar in fact. I texted the number and the person replied a second later, telling me to come on in. It was early summer, so while it wasn't completely dark out, it was getting there and I would have needed a flashlight to see. So what do I do? Well, I turn on my flashlight, of course. I get out of the car and I look around in hopes of seeing someone. Nothing. So, with phone flashlight in hand, I start walking up the dry-rotted wooden steps to the front door. I crack the door open further. It's completely black. And when I shine my flashlight around, I can see that there's no furniture. I did think that I heard some quiet creaking from upstairs, which I thought was strange at the time. Why would the person text me to come in but then be hiding upstairs? At this point, I knew that there was something wrong here. I was pretty scared and I hightailed it back to my car. I should have pulled around the corner, but I didn't. I just called the police right there. Two policemen arrive shortly after and walk right into the house with flashlights. Then two more pull up. And they were inside for quite a long time. And then they came out. And with them, in handcuffs two skinny scraggly homeless looking guys i only got a good look at one but i do remember the guy had visible sores on his face and arms i assumed that they were drug related but as the cops walked them by my car one of the guys looked at me with the angriest expression that i've ever seen two of the officers came over to talk to me and had indeed found my wallet inside all the money was gone but the rest was intact which i was grateful for the cops also rightly reprimanded me for being so stupid. I drove home after that and I never spoke of it to my parents. Only recently have I told them what happened. And I guess I'll just never really know what those guys were planning. Was it just somebody messing with me? And I called the cops on two random homeless guys living there? I never got another text from that number, but I started carrying a purse after that. And I guess the weirdest thing, though, is that the cops, they never did find that phone. So a little bit of backstory. I work at a large cell phone retailer through college. The store was in a busy downtown area of the city, so we saw a lot of class diversity. And I mean, everything from crazy, tweaked-out homeless people to business types on their lunch breaks... And because of this, they wouldn't let only females work at one time. 
So one rather slow morning, it was just my boss and I working. He was in the back office doing manager work stuff, so it looked like I was the only one in the store. And this guy comes in asking about our phone plans. As I'm going through the sale, he kept getting increasingly nervous. By the time that I checked him out with his new phone, he was weirdly giggle smiling and fidgeting. I thought that he might be nervously gearing up to ask me out or something, and as a socially awkward individual, I expedited the checkout process and quickly excused myself to the back office to sort of hide it out. I'm sure anyone in customer service can relate to not wanting to awkwardly turn down people who hit on you at your place of work, but he left eventually, my day went on as normal, but then the phone call started. I answer the phone. I say, hello, this is so-and-so, how can I help you? And there's just breathing. Hello? The breathing intensifies. My mind goes to the awkward guy early this morning, but I try not to jump to conclusions. Maybe it's a prank call. About an hour later, it happens again. I hang up immediately and tell my manager, who offers to answer the phones. About an hour later, my manager came out and says that someone's calling with a question, and they worked with me, normal stuff. So I say, hello, this is, before I can finish, there's that breathing again. I motion to my manager, handing the phone back. He puts the phone to his ear, hears this creep and yells, don't call back here. The next few days, my store started getting phone calls asking for me, Always responding, I'm not working and can't say when I can call back. And it was at this stage that I started getting walked to my car after every shift. Then on day three, after a morning of multiple calls, this guy just shows up. Just one male co-worker and I working all day. He walks in with a to-go bag of food, important for later as well, and starts pursuing the headphones displayed on the wall. I motion to my fellow worker... Hey, this is the guy. This is him. Hero co-worker jumps up and helps the guy. Hey man, what's going on? He says. This guy was no longer normal awkward guy from a few days ago. He was calm, eyes opened, way too wide as well. Creepy smiling at my co-worker. Not paying any attention to me, he says. How much for the headphones? Hero co-worker starts awkwardly keeping up his customer service asking about which ones he may want and just all that sort of stuff. But this guy just stands there saying nothing, like a solid 20 seconds of not answering his questions and just a creepy stare. Then he turns and without a word just walks out. The entire time he wasn't looking at me, but once he leaves, my co-worker tells me to go back and call our manager. I'm a bit spooked, I'll admit, my manager says that if he comes back to tell him that he's banned from the store. And not even an hour passes and he's back to go food in hand. This time the store is busy though. I quickly explain to the customer that I'm working with what's going on and run to the back office. We have store cameras though displayed on a monitor, which I'm now glued to. I see here a co-worker go up and talk to him. He just backs out of the door. This dude literally walks backwards 10 feet, never taking his eyes off of my co-worker, smiling. The co-worker comes back and tells me to call the non-emergent police number, and the police catch him sitting outside with his doggy to-go box. Co-worker and I are peeking out the window from behind the phone case display. 
The young police officer comes in and explains that the guy said that I asked him to buy me lunch and that we were dating. I informed him that I sold him a phone three days ago, that he was harassing me since then by calling the store multiple times. A co-worker backs me up on this, telling him about the creepy breathing. A while later, two police officers come back in to let us know that he's been banned from the store. The older police officer says, call back immediately if he comes back. This guy is apparently on probation for doing this to other girls. What? Well, the rest of the day goes by and co-workers and I are still on high alert. Close to the end of the day, we've settled down, sitting at the table, just shooting the breeze when he goes. Don't look behind you, but he's back. Just walk into the back room, alright? This guy is standing in the window, just looking into the store, just standing there. We call the police again, but he left way before they arrive. A police car parked outside the store for the rest of the shift. And after that, I thankfully never saw the creepy stalker guy again. I don't know if his motive was to actually date me. I think he just got off on scaring girls, perhaps. None of his actions were normal by any means, but I wonder what was in that bag. This all started about a year ago. I, a 23-year-old female, live on the second floor of an apartment complex and have lived here my entire life. The building is mostly comprised of families with young children and married couples. A lot of the families have lived here as long as my family has, so everyone sort of knows each other pretty well. There's only one apartment unit that isn't occupied by a family, but rather by a pair of brothers who just sort of keep to themselves. Now one day, one of their sons around my age appeared out of the blue. He was strange off the bat as well. He would always wear a sweatshirt with the hood up and would run through the apartment complex to get to his apartment. I'm not sure what his face looks like because he always had the hood over his face. He lived on the first floor, on the back side of the complex, and would often get into his place by jumping through the window. He basically did everything in his power to avoid any interaction, but I didn't mind him because I never saw him due to my busy schedule. However, one day he just started sitting on the top of the staircase that leads to my apartment. This was strange too because his apartment unit was on the other side of the complex and on the first floor as well. I brushed it off though at first, but it started happening every day after that. When I would come home from school, he was just always there. When my boyfriend at the time would drop me off at night, typically around 10.30 or 11, he would be there. Sometimes I would leave and come back hours later and he would still be in the exact same spot as if he didn't move through the whole 5 plus hours that I was gone. At this point, I told my parents and my boyfriend about it too and they became very vigilant. My boyfriend would park his car and walk me to my door every night that he dropped me off. Once he saw my boyfriend, he stopped sitting on the staircase as well, and I honestly thought that it was over, but boy, it wasn't. He started waiting for me at the bus stop. The bus that I take home from school stops right across the street from my house, so it's a short walk. One day when I was getting off as well, I saw him waiting at the bus stop. Once he saw me get off, he followed me into the complex and sat on the staircase. He also started following me when I would walk my dog as well. 
and my parents were upset by this. My mum started letting the neighbours know that he was following me around. My neighbours started making sure that he wasn't bothering me or if I was alone that they would start a conversation with me until I got into my door. One day though I got a friend request on Facebook from this guy. Mind you, he had never spoken a word to me so how did he know my name let alone find me on Facebook? My mum tried talking to his father but they would never answer the door when my mum knocked on their door. So I'm thinking it can't possibly get any worse right? I mean he seemed harmless I suppose so I wasn't too worried. But again I was very wrong. Now one day when I returned from my boyfriend's house, my mum told me that she had something to tell me but she didn't want me to get too spooked. She proceeded to tell me that when she was walking towards the kitchen to get a glass of water, she saw something in the tree move. Now our kitchen has a huge window that takes up most of the wall. In front of the window there's a huge tree and if someone were to climb in the tree then you could see into our apartment pretty clearly. And well... You've probably guessed it by now, but when my mum took a closer look, she realized that my neighbor was sitting in the tree looking straight into the apartment. My mum called my dad over and when my neighbor saw my dad, he jumped out of the tree. At that moment, I felt my peace was stolen from me. We filed a police report, but when the police went looking for him, he was gone. It turned out too that there were snack wrappers and a blanket hidden in between the leaves of the trees. The police think that that wasn't the first time that he'd been up there in that tree. I couldn't help but wonder too just how many times that he saw me walking around and I just had no idea. It's been about six months now and I haven't seen him since. His father still lives in the complex but there's no sign of him. The police haven't been able to find him too so... I have no idea what happened to him, but I really hope that he doesn't come back. This happened early 2018, the spring to be exact. It was just a normal gloomy day because it was spring and it was raining. We were inside all day pretty much. My dad was outside going to check the mail and... Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a car all dented up in a neighbor's yard. So he got a neighbor and told him that there was a wrecked car in his yard. They thought that someone crashed and so they went to see if there was somebody in the car or someone was injured or something. No one was in the car so they waited to see if the person in the car went to get someone for help or just all that ran. Like I said, it was pouring so by the time the person got back, they're soaked. The person gets back and they make small talk. The man said that he just slid off the road and that he was fine. The neighbor didn't press any charges and they moved along with their day. But later though, about 15 minutes after this ordeal, we hear sirens. So my dad goes back outside and sees that the police are at the mini-mart down the road. Since my dad was a witness, he walked down there with my brother in tow they get to the mini-mart and the police are interviewing the store owners. They had been robbed by the man that was wrecked in that car. My dad gave an eyewitness statement and came back home. After this I was afraid to go to sleep thinking that he might come rob us. And so many restless nights of sleep later. We're watching the news and see that the police had identified the man as the person who robbed the store. 
They went to court and apparently they found him not guilty, even though he did in fact rob the store. But later they took him back into custody and found him guilty of a second degree murder. I was glad that he was locked up, but we didn't know any details until later when it was on the news that he'd been targeting an old man for drug money. He continuously went to the old man's house asking for drug money and if the old man didn't give it to him then he said that he was going to kill the guy. The guy also told the man that if he told anyone else that he would kill him. The old man told the police and somehow the guy found out and he murdered that old man. He went to jail and as far as I know he's still in jail but man it was horrible knowing that a murderer had been roaming our streets. My grandma's house is really old. It was built in 1880 and my grandma grew up in this house and she raised my dad there as well. My grandma and I were very close. She was a movie buff and passed that interest along to me. My sister was always more fond of my mum's parents, but they died when I was like 10 and they had been fighting cancer for like four years, so I didn't have many good experiences with them, which was kind of sad. But anyways, fast forward to 2007, I'm 17 and now my grandma is dying. Crohn's disease and leukemia have really taken their toll on her. My grandma passes away at home peacefully, thankfully. And my dad inherits this house and its payments, but unwilling to just give it back to the bank, my sister and her new husband decide to move in and make the payments so that my dad didn't have to. We all helped clean out all of grandma's old stuff except the basement. All that was really left down there though was some old canning and jarring stuff. My grandma liked to make her own jams and jellies. But eager to get out on my own, I moved out of my parents' house and here with my sister and brother-in-law. A couple of years go by and my sister says that she sees some stuff and hears things at times. Neither me or my brother-in-law ever did. Mind you, I'm really not the supernatural paranormal type sort of person and generally I'm pretty skeptical. But eventually they get pregnant and decide the house is too old to try and update and baby proof. So they decide to move out. So now it's just me and the two cats. After some time, my girlfriend moves in with me too. She's very superstitious and would often tell me that she hears things like footsteps from upstairs. We stayed in a small bedroom on the main floor because the upstairs of the house had the poorest insulation ever and if it was cold outside, it was pretty much freezing up there. Vice versa in the summer as well. But being the skeptical person that I was, I always had some sort of an explanation for what she heard. Maybe it was Chaz. My sister's cat Chaz was huge. She easily weighed like 25 pounds and had a very heavy step for a cat and was not graceful at all and she liked to sort of sneak upstairs. So to me it just all sort of added up. But one night while at work just down the road a few hundred yards I get a picture from my girlfriend and super excited that it might be a nude. You can imagine my confusion when it's a picture of the cats, both on the bed with her staring intently at the doorway. The text reads, someone's in the basement, come home now. I work so close to home that I couldn't even hit 60 miles per hour before I got to the driveway, but that didn't stop me from trying that night though. The house has two doors, the one in the front that we never used and the one in the back that we always used. 
The one in the back led into the house and into the basement though, so I used the front door and I went into the room, quickly retrieved my 45 from the closet and told her to call the police. It was a short walk from the bedroom to the stairs to the basement, but the combination of fear and adrenaline made it feel like hours to get there. All the while, I can hear this menacing racket downstairs. It sounded like someone was frantically searching for someone or maybe an animal that got in there somehow and was desperately trying to escape. The commotion was just so intense that I could feel it in the floor in fact. Whatever was happening down there was super messed up and I did not want to be dealing with this. But I finally made it to the upper landing and the lights in the stairs in the basement were already on. So instantly the animal theory was dismissed for something much worse. I thought to myself that if there's a guy down there then I'm going to have to kill him and this was definitely the worst nightmare scenario territory that I've ever been in. Suddenly though the sound of a big shelf crashing to the ground breaks my concentration and without even thinking I level my pistol down the hallway. I shouted come out slowly with your hands up or I'm going to have to kill you but my command was met with silence. Nothing. No sound. Maybe there was some sort of ambient noise, but my heart was beating so hard and fast that I couldn't hear anything else. A moment passes, and there's literally no other exit but the stairs, so I decide that aggression is my only option. So I hurry down the stairs and begin clearing the basement, ready to pull slugs into anyone that I might find. But when I do... There's just no one. It's not a big basement too and there's really nowhere to hide. After a thorough sweep as well, I start noticing things. Weird things. Like, where's the mess? All that noise but nothing's out of place? What about the shelf that I just heard crash to the floor? Still up against the wall where it belonged. And when I say nothing... I mean absolutely nothing had been disturbed. I've uh, never, I mean ever, felt so confused in my entire life. There's just no way with what I just heard that anything could have been intact down there, but here I was, and nothing. The adrenaline sapped from my body and turned my legs to absolute jello, and I just sort of slumped against the wall, bewildered at the side of the basement untouched. A couple of moments later and the police arrived. We all looked around in the basement and outside, but we couldn't find any sign of an intruder or an escape or anything. In the end, they tell us to call again if anything else happened, but it never did. As a matter of fact, I never experienced anything else ever again in that house. But I did move out about a year later in 2010. So... To this day, I still have no explanation for what happened that night. I don't necessarily think that it was a ghost or anything. I mean, like I said, I literally saw nothing. No voices, cold spots, no apparitions, nothing. But I definitely heard something impossible. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. 
Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.